Hey guys, welcome back. We're uh, glad to be back. It's exciting to start a brand new series called Nine to Five. Um, I, I'm excited for this series because I'm pretty confident it's going to hit everybody in the room. Because I believe everybody here, you are either you have a job, you had a job at some point, or you are going to get a job sometime soon. So I'm pretty sure that this idea of finding meaning in your work is going to be um, something that we all need to hear, that we all can be encouraged by and challenged by. So I want to start um, by asking a quick question. How many of you all have seen the movie WALL-E by Pixar? Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, for those of you who haven't seen it, let me give you a quick synopsis of this movie. Um, WALL-E is this tiny little uh, robot that his whole existence is to clean up the polluted earth that humans have abandoned. All right, it's gotten so bad, it's gotten so filthy that, that humans have now got on uh, spaceships and are living in space while the robots clean the earth. And so what happens is Wally ends up up on one of the spaceships. And it's kind of this weird storyline of Wally finding romance and love with this other robot that he, that he catches eye of. But there's this other weird thing happening on these spaceships. It's the humans. Because the humans at this point, uh, I don't know how, I can't remember how far in the distance this, this story is, but basically because the earth um, has been so filthy and because they now live in a spaceship, technology has clearly advanced far superior than we are today because we couldn't do that. And so what's ended up happening is these human beings have created robots or AI, artificial intelligence, to do everything for them. And what they do is absolutely nothing except ingest food and beverage. And they sit on these floating chairs, like big old electronic lazy boys, and they just go around the ship like a big cruise ship. They go to the movies, and they go to lunch, and then they go to something else, and they go back for dinner, and they go for second dinner. And what it turns out to be is like these humans, they cannot walk. It's been so long since they've actually used their body that, and they've just ingested constantly that now their bodies are worthless and useless. And of course, you can see where this story goes. AI starts to take over. And because these humans have not worked or done anything or walked or ran or anything, they can't do anything to, to help themselves because they found themselves in this place. Now, the weird part about this is it's kind of funny because you're watching this kind of futuristic world unfold, but it's also a little unsettling to watch the human race become completely inept to do anything. Because on one hand, you're like, wow, AI, everything's done for them, everything's automated. But there's this kind of, this angst that you feel as, as uh, watching this movie. They're like, this doesn't quite seem right. And I think one of the strange things about it is it, it kind of throws back and forth this, some confusion. Because I believe that that movie, Wally, kind of shows the trajectory of what our culture would tell us. And that is that work and effort is bad. That if we can just avoid it and be on vacation all the time, that would be paradise. And in this movie, you see this actually happen and you realize it's not paradise. It's weird and awkward, inefficient and unproductive. And so this movie just kind of shows this idea, and we get these kind of mixed messages from when we're very little about work. We get mixed messages, all right? Like, let me give you an example. I'm gonna throw some quotes on the screen. 
and I want to see if we can guess who said these. These are quotes that I think you guys have heard. The first one is, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. How many of y'all have heard that? Somebody, some way, some, maybe you see it on, on a meme or something. All right, Confucius is the guy that said this, all right? Philosopher, wise sage. The next one I want to throw up there, the secret to success is making your vocation your vacation, all right? Who do y'all think said that? Anybody know? Anybody know? Not Abraham Lincoln. I don't think they had vacations back then. Mark Twain, Huckleberry Finn man. He said that. Mark Twain, the secret of success is making your vocation your vacation. All right, the next one, do what makes you happy. Anybody ever heard that one? Right? Most likely, here's who told you that. Your best friend. All right, because they live with you, they see you, they want you to be happy, they see that you're miserable in your job, you don't like what you're making, you don't like who you work with, and their advice is, do what makes you happy. Switch jobs, move cities, bail, get out of there. Just be happy, because happiness is the end goal. The next one is, you can do anything if you want, if you're willing to work hard. How many of y'all have ever heard that? Right, we hear that. And who says it, most likely? dad. This is a dad quote right here. Work hard, son, and you can do anything you want. You can make whatever you want, do whatever you want, move, if you just work hard. At least that's what I heard growing up, work hard. And then the last one is, <laughs> any company would be lucky to have you. Who says that? Mom, of course, mom says that right? She's like, hey, any company that, I mean, they should just, they, they, they're going to pay you whatever because you are so wonderful. You are just so sweet and gifted and talented. You're just this precious little snowflake that they, 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 they'll appreciate you, right? And like we hear these things about work from make your vocation your vacation, do what you, do what will make you happy. You can do anything. I don't know about you, but as I read these and I look these up, I was like, you know what? They all sound really good. But when do we realize that most of them are not true? When do we realize that I can't do anything? I worked really hard as a high school student and a college student wanting to be a professional athlete. I traveled on teams. I gave every, almost every night of my week up to practice. My weekends to games. And I worked really, really hard. And I got cut twice from my college soccer team. So I know that's not true. Do what's gonna make you happy. Well, I don't know about you, but no one is gonna, no one's gonna pay me to take a nap, watch college football. Like that's not a job, right? And so we're sent these mixed messages constantly. We've grown up in a culture that says one thing and then we get to a place, maybe that's in high school for you, maybe that was in college, the college years, or maybe that's right now where you're going through this moment of almost crisis, you're like, this is not the way it was, it's supposed to go. But you see your friend's Instagram feed about what they do all day from nine to five, and you're like, man, that company, way better than my company. They go to the food bank together. We don't do that. Like, they, you know, they're having an office party. We never have office parties. Like, you know, like, you start comparing and contrasting, and you start to, and you get this, this angst feeling that I got when I watched Wally. Because you're like, this is not, this doesn't seem to be what I, what I dreamt of doing. I'm definitely not making what I think I should make. 
and I'm not on the trajectory of where I want to be going. And then all of a sudden, that snowball of doubt rolls in. Am I doing the wrong thing? Did God make me for this? No, I don't think he did. Am I wasting my 20s? Am I wasting, I mean, I'm almost 34. Like, is this, have I wasted this time? And I think it all comes back to this idea of wrong expectations of work. What do we actually expect work to do? So I came up with a list of questions that I wanted to try and cover in this series that over the next several weeks, we're gonna try and answer every single one of these. Like, how should we view work? How should we value work? Do I have the right expectations of what my work will do for me? How does my faith intersect my work? Or lastly, does God even care what I'm doing from nine to five? Is that, is that even, does he even know? Because I don't think he sees this. He's not seeing me here. Because honestly, at work, it does help fulfill our need for purpose. Because unlike animals, we crave for meaning. We don't just respond to instincts and hunger. We want meaning. All the, the, the research says that this generation wants meaning in their job more than anything else, than any other generation. The ironic part about this is this whole idea of having meaning attached to my career or my job is a very, very new idea in terms of mankind. It's really only come up in the last 30 to 40 years because before that, a job was simply to provide. That's what it was. If your parents did this, that's probably what you were gonna do because it provides and puts food on the table. You guys, I live in a society in a time in human history where we can ask, do I want to do this? Is this what I'm gifted to do? Is this gonna fulfill me? Like All these questions are relatively new when you look at history. And so my goal is to answer a lot of these questions over the, last several, over the next several weeks. But tonight, specifically, I wanted to start with giving you three statistics that I found that kind of blew me away. The first one is this. Research says that the average person spends more than 90,000 hours in their lifetime at work. Now, some of you are like, oh, Andy, I did not need to hear that. After the day, the week I've had, I know. Some of you are like, okay, great. I love my job. Let's do it. All right, the, the, the next one I wanted to share with you. So 90,000, that's a lot of time. That's the, in fact, that's more time than you're going to spend with your family. And that's more time than you're going to spend with your friends. It's more time than you're going to spend doing your hobbies. And so wrestling with this finding meaning at work is a big deal. The same research found that 87% of Americans have no passion for their jobs. 87% have no passion. They're indifferent. And of those 87%, 80% of those same workers have outright dissatisfaction with their jobs. Like they don't like it. They're not just indifferent. They're like, I, am, I don't like what I'm doing. 80%. Now, I don't know if that's the same in this room. It might be. Eight out of 10 of you are dissatisfied with your jobs? Maybe. But my hope and aim with this series is to help us be the 13% that have passion to go to work. And, the, and that 20% that are satisfied and thankful for our jobs instead of groaning about it. 
and groaning and grumbling that our 90 hours, that maybe we might be the group that sees that 90 hours as opportunity. Not just rise and grind, put my time in, because that's getting in the way of everything else. So, here's where we're gonna be tonight. We're gonna talk about a biblical theology of work. I know, really super exciting topic. But we have to lay the groundwork. To what does, how does the Bible teach us about work? What does it say? What does God think about it? Because we all know, we've grown up with the, whatever makes you happy, go do that. You can do anything you want. Do those align with scripture? That's what we wanna look at. What is a biblical theology of work? So that's what we're gonna talk about tonight, and we're gonna talk about three things. That work is good, but not ultimate. That we were made for work, and that work is corrupted, but not forever. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter one. We're gonna go all the way back to the beginning, and we're gonna look and see what the Bible has to say about work. Is it good, is it bad, is it indifferent, or whatever? All right, so let's, if you're in, in uh, Genesis, I almost said Romans. <laughs> Genesis chapter one is a pretty famous little chapter. It is creation, it's a creation story. And we see God creating the world. And so here's what we learn from this. Well, and this is my first point, that work is good, but it is not ultimate. Work is good, but it is not ultimate. We know it's good because in Genesis 1, we see God working. He's creating. How do I know it's worked? Because on the seventh day, he was tired, and so he rested. Do you know that's where we get our weekends from? It goes back to a biblical idea of work and rest. And so we look at God and say, he's the primary worker. He was the first one. In Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. You see, God's revealing himself through his work. Fast forward to the New Testament in Mark chapter 6, verses 3, we see that Jesus had a job. He wasn't just gallivanting around the Mediterranean, meeting with people and, sit and, you know, and sitting next to pools and talking and hanging out with his friends. He, he had a job. We know him as a carpenter. So when God created, he worked. And when he was tired, he rested. When he sent his son to come redeem a broken and fallen and sinful world, he gave him a job and a trade. He worked. I love that Psalm 19. I tweet about it all the time or Instagram about it whenever I see a great sunset. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. You see, the work of God reveals who he is to us. And just like God, because we are created in the image of God, your work reveals something about you. God's handiwork reveals his character to the world. And our work, our attitude towards work, our quality of work speaks to who you are as a worker. In Genesis 1, 31 after God is done creating, he looks at all of his creation. He looks at the product of what he has just done and he declares it very good. 
It wasn't a grind. It wasn't tiresome in terms of like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Like, no, he said, this is very good. It's very good. And so I, 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 as I looked through Genesis 1, I just want to pull out four quick things. Number one, work is good. Number two, work is dignifying. Number three, work is purposeful. And number four, this comes from Psalm 19, work reveals something about the worker. Work is good, but it is not ultimate. And that's our tendency. That's what we, as human beings, this is where we lean. All right? Um, Our temptation is to find our identity, our value, our happiness in what we do. And depending on your culture of where you work, maybe being busy equals important or being stressed equals that you value and and you have value to the company. Or maybe being needed at your company equals your worth. And so the days where you don't feel needed, you feel worthless. This is what we do. We attach our vocation with our identity and our worth. And if I don't get the praise I think I deserve, then my self-esteem and my purpose and my value go down. And I think I should probably leave. Because we make work or the things that work provides for us the ultimate goal. And so whether that's money or prestige or a job title, work can provide those things. It can provide money. It can provide a a standing in in your company or in the community. Your work can provide you things. And so what easily happens to, in, our, in our sinful hearts is that work then becomes an idol and it becomes ultimate. That's why some of us, or maybe some of your parents, were caught up in what the, the term workaholic. Because something inside of them was so tied to their work, they sacrificed everything else. You see, in many ways, we actually treat work like a god because we fulfill, we, we believe that it will show, it will somehow ultimately fulfill us. But let me tell you this, young adults, that work is a terrible God. Work is good, but it is a terrible God. Work is an impossible taskmaster. It's that, it's that, what's next? What can it do for me? I didn't have a good day. Well, let's see what's available on LinkedIn and Indeed. I'll just start scrolling through. I did, today was terrible. I gotta find something else. Because that job that you have now, the one that God provided for you, somehow is not meeting your needs. Whether in value or identity or worth or whatever it may be. We have this mental checklist of what's next. Something's gonna be better. Like this is the rhythm of our life, right? When you get to middle school, all you wanna do is get to high school. And by junior year of high school, you're like, oh, I hate this, this is terrible all these little kids walking around, ninth graders, whatever, I need to get to college. Then you get to college, you're like, this is awesome, freedom, I can do whatever I want, I can stay up all night, fantastic. By junior year, you're like, ah, this stinks, I can't wait to get paid for my time. And so then you go get that job, and you realize, I don't get spring break anymore. And I gotta be here, what time? I can't sleep in, what? And I don't get summer break? And you're gonna take what out of my paycheck? And I gotta pay for some of my benefit, what? You see the rhythm that we get into in our world is like, what's next? What's next? There's gotta be something better. There's gotta be something better. And instead of saying, hey, what I've got actually could be good for me. We're always looking at what's next. Work and what what comes with work as an end goal will never grant the satisfaction it promises. When we make something other than God our supreme goal, we will always be left wanting. You see, work is good, 
Work is not the enemy. God created it, God does it, and he calls us to be a part of it because work is key in his sovereign plan for humans to thrive. Some people I've heard to say, as I've been looking, I'm like, that work is like a four-letter word. You know, it's kind of like Monday, you're like, oh, Monday. You know, it's like a cuss word. You're like, oh, work. Here, if, if work is a four-letter word, here's the four-letter word that work is, good. Work is good. God worked. God's son worked. He put Adam to work, which we'll talk about here in a second. And he gives us this, this identity inside that says, I want to I produce I wanna do something, I wanna create. That's in us because work is good. My second point tonight comes from Genesis 2.15 and just as I alluded to it is that we were made to work. We were made to work. Our culture tells us all the time, no, work is what gets in the way. Work is the problem. There are literally books from philosophers that, are, that have written entire ideas and philosophical belief systems that work is the greatest evil. Well, I got one taste of this uh, in my life. I, when I first moved to Oklahoma City, I was working at a summer camp. And uh, the first summer I was here, I did not go back to that summer camp for the first time since college. I stayed here. The job I had was with a parachurch ministry that did not function during the summer months. And so as a young adult, I was like, oh, so I worked till May and then I don't have to do anything until late August, early September. Sign me up. <laughs> summer off. Fantastic. And so I go into my summer. I got nothing planned. I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm going to get paid because I made my nine-month salary go over 12 months. I'm like, all right, fantastic. I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to get paid. A week and a half, maybe two weeks in, I was miserable because I had nothing to do. And so when I had nothing to do, I was lazy, I slept in, I ate terrible, I played way too many video games, I stayed up way too late, and I got myself into trouble, looking at things I shouldn't look at, doing things I shouldn't do, because I didn't have anything to do. Throw back to my camp years, best job I've ever had. Because I got up at 7 a.m., and I wouldn't go to bed till 11. And I would work every second of every day with other people doing the same thing for the same purpose. And I went to bed every night exhausted, but it felt great to know that I had a really good work day. Got paid nothing, probably owed camp money by the time I left and I bought all their swag, but it felt great to work hard. It felt good to put my head on the pillow and fall asleep immediately because I worked hard. We're made for work. Our culture, like I said, tells us that, that work is bad and it actually gets in the way. The, the, the whole idea of working for the weekend, if I could just grind through these five days and Friday night gets here and then I'll have plans on Saturday, I'll sleep on Sunday, it'll be great. Oh, now I gotta go back to work. Our culture feeds this idea but in Genesis 1, 26 through 30, we're told that God created us in his image, both male and female. And then guess what he does right after this in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 15? It says, God placed Adam in the garden to work it and keep it. Now catch the, the timeline here. This is before sin. Work is not a result of the fall. 
Genesis 2.15 said he created man and woman and he put Adam into the garden to work it and keep it. Work is not a result of the fall. So this whole idea that work is bad, that it gets in the way, no, 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 no. Our view of work is what gets in the way. Because God created it and it is good and he made us for it. A guy named Randy Alcorn in his book about heaven says this, work was part of the original Eden. It was part of a perfect human life. Think about that for a second. How different and foreign that idea is to us. Like back in, we talked about Romans 8 several weeks ago about how creation is under bondage of sin. Guess what also is under bondage of sin? Work. Because work was there before sin. And we're gonna see that, look, look more of that in just a second. So you and I were made to work, but not to worship work. You and I were made to work, but not to worship it. We were made to work, but to worship God. And we gotta make sure we keep those straight. God is the primary and original worker and his image bearers, human beings, are called to work. We're made to work. You're made for Monday. You're not made for the weekend. You're made for Monday. 90,000 hours you're made for Monday. You see, to avoid work is to avoid God's purpose and plan for you. To avoid work is to avoid God's purpose and his plan for you. Let me throw in a couple other words there. To hate work is to hate God's purpose and plan for you. To grumble and complain about work is to grumble and complain about God's purpose and plan for you. We're his image bearers. He said, go be representatives of me and my character and my faithfulness and my love and my grace. And so as Christians, we cannot say work is bad. Can't do it. We're his image bearers. We're his representation of this world of the way things ought to be. My last point tonight is, comes from Genesis 3, 17 through 19, is that work is corrupted, but not forever. Work is good. We were made for work, and work is corrupted, but not forever. Genesis 3, 17, 18, and 19, it says, And to Adam he said, this is God speaking, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall, be, uh, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I see five things in these three short verses. The first two come from verse 17, and it is that the ground is cursed. The ground used to provide easily and wonderfully in the garden. Sin came and cursed the ground. Secondly, in verse 17, we see that now there is toil and pain associated with work. Can you think about this for a second? What if work was actually the opposite of us? It was joyful and easy. That's work in the garden. In verse 18, it says, work won't always produce what we expect or desire. It says, thorns and thistles will grow. And so the worker will not always get the intended outcome 
or the desired outcome because it is corrupted. Verse 18 again, work is now unprotected. Did you catch this in verse 18? Where it says, and you shall eat the plants of what? The field, not the garden. Because you are going to be taken out of the garden. When you think about a garden, it's protected, it's cared for, it's safe, and it's fruitful. But they're about to be kicked out east of Eden, where you will now work the field, unprotected and unpredictable. We don't know what work, what will happen. It may go well, it may go bad, it may be hard, it may be terrible, it may produce no fruit. You might feel like you're wasting away and wasting your time because you're out in the field, you're not in the garden where, where God created it. And then lastly, in verse 19, by the sweat of your face, you will eat your bread. Work will be hard. Work will be hard. And so when we think about our jobs, when we think about our careers, and you think about the fact that, man, it's so hard to do this. I've got to work with people that drive me crazy. I don't get what I'm worth. I'm not treated well. There you go. It's a result of sin. We live in a fallen and broken world. Work has been changed, but not forever, right? It's, it's corrupted, but not forever. So in comes Jesus. In Revelation 21, 5, it says, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. In Revelation 22, verse 3, it says, No longer will there be anything accursed. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Which answers the second question in my mind as I read through this. Yes, there was work before the fall. And yes, there will be work in heaven. You know why? Because we're made for work. God knows that we are created to thrive while we work. And it, what it says here is that the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants, us, will serve him. But here's the thing, we, think, we hear that, I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound like heaven. Yeah, because we have a tainted view of work. You take away sin, and Jesus has made all things new. Now, all of a sudden, sin is the opposite of that list we just read. It's joyful. It's easy. It's protected and guaranteed to deliver. And all of a sudden, our idea of words like, oh, okay, I could be about that because we're made for work. And maybe this is my favorite, Isaiah 65, verse 17, and then we're gonna skip to 21 through 23. This is a prophecy of the, what I just read. It says, for behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Verse 21, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and have another inhabit, and they shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of the tree shall, shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain. And so Jesus redeems everything. He redeems you and me. He brings us separated from Christ because of our sin, and he brings us into God's company, into his family. We, we talk about that in Romans 8, that God, 
through Jesus makes all things new. He redeems us. And in Romans 8, we all start with, he redeems creation. And here we see in Isaiah 65, he redeems work. Jesus redeems everything. So you hate your job now and you're like, Andy, I don't want to work in heaven. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Because that it will be, you will enjoy it. Right there it says in verse 22, and my chosen people shall long enjoy the work. God has a high view of work. As a Christian, you and I are a part of God's redemptive plan in this world. He is redeeming us. He's redeeming this world and he's redeeming your work. So embrace your place, as Christine Kane says, instead of constantly looking for what's next. Embrace your place because work is good. We were made for it. And yes, it is corrupted, but not forever. Jesus is redeeming our work. So what do we do with this? I wanna give you two thoughts. Number one, think about how you currently view work. Because you do. You have, a, you have a narrative about work. You have an opinion about work. You believe things about work that you don't even know. And I want you over this series to really wrestle with what do you really think and how do you view work? Listen to what comes out of your mouth. Listen to the conversations you have about your job, about your coworkers, about your boss. How do we view work? Think about that. Let it ruminate a little bit. And then secondly, ask God to reshape how you view work. Because I don't know about you, but the one thing I want more than anything in my life is for my belief system and my thoughts to be aligned with God. And you cannot read the scriptures that we've touched on tonight and think God thinks little of work. He thinks much, much of work. Your jobs, your vocation. It is a big, huge, stinking deal. He made you for it. He does work. He is currently working. Jesus said, I will leave here and I will go and work and prepare a place for you. He's working. He's working. We should be working. We should be a redemptive force in this world. And your work may just be the number one way God does that. You were made for Monday. Most of your life happens between Monday and Friday and between the hours of nine and five. We would be crazy to think that God does not have or does not care about 90,000 hours of your life. We'd be crazy to think that. That God, just, hey, Andy, just get through the week because the weekend is really my plan and purpose for you. No. I'm not dogging on vacation. I'm not dogging on the weekend. Jesus, God rested on the seventh day. Okay? Rest is important. But if you and I, as followers of Jesus, ever lull ourselves into believing that the work week is something we just get through to get to the weekend, I got news for you. That is not a biblical theology of work. The weekend sets us up for real life. Your life is happening every day from nine to five. You're living in this world every day from nine to five. You are meeting people every day from nine to five. You are able to learn things and do things and experience things between nine and five every day. 
And so we would be crazy to think that God isn't intricately interested in what you do from nine to five. 90,000 hours. You see, if work is good and you were made for it and Jesus is redeeming it, then why would we think it a waste or that something that's getting in the way? I'll tell you where that comes from. It comes from someone, an enemy, that would love for you to believe that work is getting in the way of your actual life because then you're just gonna miss your life and you're gonna miss God's plan for you. As I said earlier, to avoid work is to avoid God's plan and purpose for your life. To hate work, to complain about work, to grumble at work is to complain and grumble and hate God's greatest plans and purpose for you. And we'll get into this in later weeks. Should you stay in your job forever? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. There are times where you need to go. Right now, I'm just talking about how do we view work and our jobs? Do we see it as something that God is good? Do we see it as a gift from God that actually pays our bills and we can eat and we can pay our rent and we can buy clothes and I can buy gas? That, that actually the job that maybe you don't like is God's greatest provision for you right now. So embrace your place and see what God might wanna do. And during this series, do not shy away from the hard questions that come up. Wrestle with them. Because these are the questions that you're wrestling with and someday a spouse will wrestle with and someday your children will wrestle with. So work it out now. Get a grasp on work, on vocation, on job. What is God doing? What does he want to do in and through it in my life? Let's pray. God, I wanna thank you for this day. God, thank you for work. Thank you for showing us in Genesis that you are a worker and that you sent your son to redeem this world and you put him to work. That you put Adam to work in a perfect world. God, that leaves no, it leaves no doubt that work is good. It leaves no doubt that we were made for it. God, I pray that you would help us to reorder our mind and our opinions of work. And so God, as we go into this 120 seconds, Lord, I pray, God, that you would get to work in us, that you would show us, convict us, encourage us with your word tonight. And as we finish up with worship, God, that we would celebrate your goodness and the work that you have done on the cross to make all things new and to bring us into your family. In your son's name, amen.